It's my understanding that as the uh, last week went on and on and on, that as that phone call was uh, being answered early in the morning, uh, especially on Thursday and Friday, that both myself and Mr. Vance became near occasions of sin for many people. I know we're kind of <laughs> tired of the snow and uh, all that comes with it, but uh, there's also good that comes out of that. I enjoy the snow. Of course, I don't have to be at home with the kids, so perhaps it's easier for me. But, um, you know, the, the beauty that we experience in this and uh, certainly the togetherness of families that... Uh, has happened are some good things that, that we can bring out of this. We are uh, privileged today. Um, normally today, this first Sunday of Lent, is the day that we send our catechumen and our candidates off to uh, the rite of election at the cathedral. And because of the weather, the Archbishop has canceled uh, those celebrations. So we are actually, he has given permission, in fact, he has asked all of the pastors in the diocese to actually do the right of election in their parishes. So this morning here we will uh, be doing that immediately after uh, the homily here. And uh, something that we do not normally get to experience. So uh, pay close attention and uh, try to enter into that prayer very deeply. So let's think to a few months away from now and, uh, and all the college graduations that will be coming up. And um, at one point there was this uh, graduation at a large university and uh, the president of the university rose to address the graduates and to uh, confer their degrees. And he began by explaining the meaning of the traditional Latin phrases that are used in the various uh, uh, levels of degrees. And he says, if a student graduates cum laude, it means, of course, with honors. If a student graduates magna cum laude, it means with high honors. And if a student graduates summa cum laude, it means with supreme honors. And then he said, there's a new honor that I plan to use in the future to be called magna cum peladentium. And it means by the skin of your teeth. which I think a lot of graduates find themselves there. You know, in this Lenten season, which we are entering deeply into this day, you know, the emphasis is very much on the call to repentance. And it's a time for us to, to take stock of what we've been doing with our lives. It's a time to evaluate uh, you know, the spiritual progress of the movement of our lives through time. And in doing so, it becomes a time to acknowledge that in, in terms of our life, in the uh, divinely created school of learning how to love, that we have yet to graduate with honors. And the call of repentance, or the call to repentance means that we're not on the level of a, a summa cum laude or a magna cum laude or even a cum laude, but, but rather we do fall into the magna cum paladensium uh, category. You know, by the skin of our teeth. You know, we're living up to our discipleship literally by the skin of our teeth. 
And although we may be a, a little fuzzy on the true meaning of repentance, you know, nevertheless, we can, we can be sure that it involves much, much more than just making a few minor adjustments in our lives. You know, true repentance me, penetrates the, the crust of the piety that we wrap around ourselves to, to keep us really from taking it seriously. True repentance reaches deep down in our soul. It, it turns life upside down for us and, and right side up for God. And true repentance reverses our priorities. It, it upsets our accustomed uh, sense of values and it, it turns our pockets inside out. Repentance releases us from the shackles of our, uh, our, you know, our systems of security and it hangs us on the very thrin, thin thread that we call the will of God. And for many of us, repentance is a word that belongs to, to yesterday. You know, why do we need to consider that or think about that? Life is grand and happy and we just keep moving through it and, and all is well. It's one of those really slippery words that in this time of the world's history, you know, we want to slide around, so to speak. You know, we hear the word. And we speak the word without attaching any real meaning for our lives. For some of us, there is a, a vague understanding of repentance as something that is done when one gets caught at something. You know, and, and, and not much at any other time. But repentance is far more than blurting out, I'm sorry. When we get caught at doing something to someone, something deemed wrong by conventional society. And for some of us, there is this vague understanding of repentance as the, the act of turning back to God after having turned away from God. And for some, there is a vague understanding of repentance as involving a change in attitude or a, a change of mind or turning over a new leaf in life. And there are truly elements of that in, in all of those things. The gospel truth is that genuine repentance means much more than, than changing one's mind or feeling sorry for one's sins or telling God we're on his side again. True repentance is something that, that really, really, really bears fruit. You know, the evidence of repentance is to be found in the fruit that is, is brought forth from our lives. Repentance is a positive action, something that enhances our life and the, the life of others as well. And according to a, an old story, there were two friends from boyhood who were sitting together at a diner drinking coffee. And one asked the other, you know, why is it that you never married? 
And the answer was, well, well, you know, to tell you the truth, I have spent my entire youth looking for the perfect woman. And when I lived in San Francisco, I met this beautiful and intelligent woman with eyes like dark olives, but she was unkind. And when I lived in Montreal, I met a woman who was a kindly person, but we didn't have anything in common. And over the years, I met one woman after another who seemed just right, but there was always something missing. And then one day, I met her. She was intelligent, she was generous, she was kind. We, we had everything in common. In fact, she was perfect. So the other man is puzzled. What happened? Why, why didn't you marry her? And the other man said, well, you know, sad to say, it seems that she was looking for the perfect man. You know, precisely because none of us is perfect. This biblical call to repentance is very consistent and constant and unrelenting. Because nobody's perfect. None of us. Neither the perfect man nor perfect woman has ever walked through the doors of this church. And neither the perfect pastor nor the perfect preacher has ever entered this church either. You know, neither you nor I fall into the category of of persons who have nothing to repent for. And none of us can live up to our God-given potential to enrich our lives and the lives of others unless we are willing to, to do that repentance, to do that changing that is necessary in each and every one of our lives. We hear in our gospel, the time has come, Jesus says, and the kingdom of God is close at hand. Repent and believe in the good news. In Mark's gospel, these are the very first words that Jesus, that Jesus speaks. And this statement represents the spirit of his entire ministry. And his entire ministry is a series of demands to us, demands of and for rebirth and renewal. You know, in all of Jesus' preaching and teaching, Jesus consistently calls for what? For a change of heart, a change that reaches deep down beneath the surface changes of fad and fashion. Jesus calls for a change in us that is so radical and so profound as to convert us into loving witnesses. Loving witnesses to the coming of the kingdom of God which he came to proclaim, which he instilled in our hearts, and which he calls us to help make unfold in this world. You know, to give those who hurt us 
should say to forgive those who hurt us, to pray for those who mistreat us, to bless those who hate us, to give uh, aid and comfort to those who need us, and to humble ourselves before the weak, to be most merciful and compassionate towards all those, you know, whom we might otherwise consider the dregs of society. And to do all of these things consistently means for us an entire lifetime of dedication to change. You know, Lent offers us that opportunity to look again, but it's really something that is to happen throughout our lives, to change. Never are we fully equal to the challenge, however. Always there is a need to reorder our lives. The kingdom of God lies within us. And Jesus asks us to descend deep into ourselves, to encounter the, the self that, that he would have us become. And he asks us to recognize his sacred presence deep within our hearts. He asks us to rise above the doubts and the difficulties and the the fears that are, are the constant companions of deep-seated change. The Apostle Peter, whom we hear from today, he's written of Christ. He says, in the body he was put to death, but in the spirit he was raised to life. And that spirit, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, is the spirit of God is the spirit of love. And to know this God of love is to experience his love for you and, uh, and for all your sisters and brothers here and there and everywhere. And to act accordingly is to love all of your sisters and your brothers here and there and everywhere. Because God has loved us first, and God has loved them 